You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got a great program uh, today. We uh, will be talking with our good friend Peter Vogel all about the state of digital cameras. Remember cameras, John? <laughs> yes, I do. Well, I think most of us are probably using the camera in our smartphones. And why wouldn't we? They are fantastic. They're 4K. Some can do 8K uh, as far as video. The, the resolution is amazing. They take pictures as good as DSLRs for most people. For the average person, yes. Well, I know you're a camera nut. Yeah, but to be honest, I haven't touched my DSLR in a while. No, and they say the best camera is the one you have in your pocket. Yes, that essentially. Is well, Peter uh, has come out with a list every year of uh, all the available cameras in the markets. Uh, you know, the point and shoots and uh, the the higher end uh, DSLRs, and so we're just going to get a rundown from him. You know, what's out there still, and what is the future for a lot of these camera technologies? We'll also be uh, chatting. John, about a new purchase you made with a, a little mini computer called a dev term. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a new purchase. I bought it in November of 2020. When is it now? It's like a year. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you were a patient man. Well, I, yeah, I'm patient because they, they launched this product in the middle of COVID. Yeah. And the infamous chip shortage. Yes. That was the biggest delay was getting some parts for it. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be chatting about it. It's actually a cool little term terminal. Reminds me of the old Radio Shack kind of initial laptop they came out. What was that model? The Model 100. I remember seeing that in the newspaper, John, back in the day, and I, I couldn't afford it. it my grandfather had one, oh so my God. I actually got to see one when it was brand new. Your grandfather was rich. He, well, yeah. He I was got, a professor. I, I think it was like a, between 1000 to $1,500 back then. Yeah. In the 80s. Was it the 80s? 1983 is when it came out. Yeah. And it was just amazing. It was just like a little portable. I thought this would be great for school. <laughs> the irony is, is the dev term that I bought is a th about a thousand times as powerful and it only costs $300. Well, we'll be uh, chatting about uh, some of the cool things uh, you can do with that as well. And we're going to be talking about Apple and where are they going to go in the future? Their market cap hit $3 trillion dollars. That company's worth $3 trillion, John. Mm -hmm. I could use some of the, the couch change <laughs> from, from those folks. Uh, let's get into uh, the, the newsy part of uh, the show here. We, we always start off with the latest in tech news. We survived Las Vegas. We were down at the Consumer Electronics Show, and we made it back. We did. In one piece. COVID-free. Well, I got COVID before I went. And can I tell you, I was kind of nervous about it. I didn't think that I was going to be able to test negative before I went because I got COVID over Christmas. Yeah. I figured you'd be fine. So to get into the US, I had to take the, the rapid antigen test and I, I tested negative. But people were warning me that to come back, you have to take the PCR test. Yes. The government requires that. And they said that that one's a lot more sensitive and that I quite possibly will test positive for COVID, even though I didn't have it anymore. Right. Like some were saying like weeks to months. So I just, cause it's Vegas, John, I rolled the dice <laughs> knowing that I might have to spend an extra few days because I could have used my positive uh, COVID results, but I had to wait right. a certain amount of time. Yeah. So I might've had to spend an extra weekend in Vegas. Yeah. Well, and we were tested every second day. Yeah, that was the good thing about the show. They gave us two tests. Two tests, and then we had to take our PCR test to come home. Yeah, which they paid for. Yeah. 
It was yeah. actually the only lineup we really saw at CES. Yes. It was the PCR test line. It's interesting, John. Did you feel unsafe down there? Because a lot of people I talked to when I said I was going to Vegas, they thought I was crazy. You know, I felt the same as I did here in Vegas. We have just as much chance to get it there as we do here. Um, but they said, you know, people are saying you're going down to this crowded trade show, which it really wasn't. It wasn't that crowded. No. Everyone was well aware of that the fact that there's a pandemic and everyone at the show had to be fully vaccinated. And masked. And masks. And everywhere in Vegas, everyone had to wear masks. And casinos everywhere. It's interesting too because there, the casinos and at CES, all the security staff were pretty militant about putting your mask on properly. Yes. I saw many people, including you, that you, you took your mask off and you were like having a drink, but you sort of lingered for a while and then he's like, some woman came over and was like, put your mask on. Yes. Well, and rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it was a great experience. Let's talk about some of the news, John. Uh, the chip shortage continues to plague a lot of different companies, including Canon and their inkjet line. Yeah, so they have, as all the printer companies do, they have chips in their inkjet cartridges so they can be authenticated when you plug it into your printer so that you're not using illegal ink, which, yeah. which is hilarious to say out loud. Um <laughs> <laughs> but um, they have a problem where I think their ink cartridges, they can't get enough chips for them. Yeah, because all each one has a chip on there yeah. to authenticate it, essentially. Yeah. So they basically have told their customers how to bypass this. And essentially, all you have to do is just <laughs> turn it on and turn it, or turn it off and turn it back on again, and or just remove the ink cartridge and put it back in, and it will just work. Well, that seems really... Rigorous. Well, it sounds like they've just turned off the authentication side of the internet part of the equation. So if you're a Canon inkjet printer user and having trouble finding the ink cartridges, there's your fix. Just refill them all you want. Uh, John, this was another one. Older Honda and Acura cars were hit or have been hit by the Y2K bug. Do you remember the Y2K? I do. I I think a lot of younger listeners won't even know what we're talking about, but there was a great concern as the world turned from 1999 over to 2000, a lot of the older computers wouldn't be able to handle it because of the the date change and would stop functioning. Yeah, because everything was coded for a two-digit year. Yeah. Uh, So what happened with Honda and Acura? Their their clocks and their cars? Yeah, it sounds like uh, there's some software issue and uh, typically older cars uh, from 2006 to 2014 in the US, Canada, and the UK they found out on New Year's Day that their clock was set in their car. This is just the clock in the car. So yeah. it's, it's not... Didn't stop the car from working. Super important. Yeah. But their clock was set to 2002, January 1. I love it. Yeah. But you could fix that. Well, it might might be hard to fix, especially on some of these older cars. Okay. Because there's no easy way for them to do a software update. Oh, oh, okay. You couldn't go in and change it. Well, yeah. I mean, you can always override... Yeah and set the date and time yourself. But I think the fact that the car rebooted, that's the problem. You're listening to Get Connected. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about digital cameras. What happened to them all? You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. Uh, Every year, uh, one of our uh, good friends, his name is Peter Vogel, uh, puts out a uh, digital camera survey, basically uh, covering all the uh, the latest uh, point and shoots uh, 
uh, and DSLRs out in the marketplace on the line we have. Peter, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for inviting me. Uh, I wanted to chat with you because uh, I see this list every year, and I'm just wondering now uh, in this, this day and age of everyone just using the camera on the smartphones, like what kind of changes have you seen over the past five, 10 years? Like, do people even really buy many point-and-shoot cameras anymore? Well, it is a changing uh, marketplace. No argument there. Uh, I've been doing this particular list since 2002. Wow. So uh, quite a a history there. And it goes back uh, even a little bit earlier to uh, when uh, I first acquired a a digital camera for my school, and it was actually sent by uh, Epson. Epson's out of that business now. Wow. And that camera would have been worth $1,200, and it wasn't even a a full megapixel yet. It was around (laughs) 900, you know, on the thousand scale there. And uh, you could get 30 shots out of it before you had to change batteries. Uh, So the field has changed dramatically. Um, And in particular, the last uh, half dozen years or so, we've seen that the DSLR, which was traditionally the the mark of the high end, uh, shall we say, of of cameras, uh, being replaced by the uh, mirrorless uh, interchangeable lens cameras, the MILKs. And they represent the bulk of the market now. It's just so funny. I, I remember too, Peter, when you know these digital cameras, kind of the, the more consumer ones started coming out. Uh, you mentioned the Epson one. Uh, I remember back in the 90s, late 90s, uh, Logitech had come out with one. I mean, they were the size of binoculars, <laughs> essentially. And we were amazed that you know you could actually take a, a digital picture, uh, but it was it was crappy quality <laughs> when I think back to, you know, you know, the output of it. I, yeah. I don't remember the Epson one. What was the quality like on that? Yeah, very, very poor. Uh, but, but you know, uh, it was all that there was on the, the marketplace at that time. And yeah. it was remarkable, certainly for a school to experiment with. Uh, uh, even the LCD screen was an add-on, a $500 add-on, as I recall. <laughs> $500. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so the field has changed, yeah. uh, and you know we we we're both surprised that cameras are still uh, a commodity today. But uh, my list uh, this year has uh, over two hundred cameras on it. Wow! Uh, so wow. so it's still surprising uh, to me. Um, yeah. Certainly, we've we've moved up in the megapixel category. My particular list is organized by megapixel uh, rating, and of course, over time, we've gone from sort of eight was uh, was the uh, the pinnacle, then it went to 12, and then it went to 16, and this year, uh, and for the last couple of years, it's been 24 megapixels, so out of my 200-plus cameras, 87 of them are in the 24 uh, range, and then it sort of uh, falls off from there, and you get a few up there in the uh, 50, uh, occasionally you'll see a 100 megapixel uh, camera show, but those are outliers. Does, does it really matter when you get up to 100 megapixels? It, it kind of comes down to the quality of the lens, too, really. Exactly. It, 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 as they say, uh, good glass produces great photos, and good glass is expensive, uh, and that, of course, is where the camera guys are really making their, uh, their add-on money is in the lenses. And as we've moved to the uh, mirrorless uh, interchangeable lens cameras, uh, a whole new host of lenses has come to market and uh, perhaps that's a way for the, uh, the, the the big guns shall we say the Canons, the Nikons, the Sonys and to a slightly lesser extent the Fujis uh, to uh, make up 
that declining marketplace uh, in lens sales. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. I mean, it's it's like a the highway is littered with the the graves of many companies that are out of the business now. You mentioned Epson, uh, Kodak. Kodak was a big one. Kodak is gone. I love their I love their point and shoots. They were awesome, but they're gone. In any other ones you can recall? Yes, yes, they're they're gone, and and you know they were essentially the guys that owned the uh, the patent on the. uh, you know the underlying charge couple uh, device that is the, the heart of the uh, the sensor, shall we say? Wow! You know they they didn't exercise their patent very well. No. Yeah. Uh, you know we've got name great names like Pentax. Yeah. More the day when every tourist carried a Pentax into North America. Um, Pentax is still around, but only uh, a couple of uh, cameras in their uh, portfolio, and they've uh, aligned with the name Rico, so it's Rico Pentax. Yeah. I, I had a, uh, I had a Rico digital camera back in the early two thousands. Loved it. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rico still lives on as a standalone with uh, one of their uh, so called Tough brand cameras. Uh, they they make one especially for the uh, the construction market. Ah. Uh, you know, for people to use on construction sites. It's a thousand dollar Tough camera, waterproof, shockproof, all that kind of stuff. But it's uh, you know probably the the end of the the line for that brand as well. It's a very small niche market. What I find interesting too, uh, just the change, obviously, you know, as we went to digital, uh, all the camera stores. And do you remember London Drugs in, in the heyday? I mean, that was a huge chunk of their business, their camera department and and the and the photo lab. Like, I remember yes, taking... Uh, I, it, yeah, it was crazy yeah. much money I'd spend there weekly, you know, because I had, you know, young kids. For, for sure. For sure, and, and in part, that was driven by the, the longtime CEO of London Drugs. He was passionate in the field of photography, and that's why London Drugs uh, de- developed that yeah. that important niche. It's still an important player in the Vancouver marketplace, for sure. Uh, we, we've seen uh, some of the bigger retailers, uh, like Costco and Staples, they've abandoned uh, digital cameras just within the last year. Costco was a major seller. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Best you're right. Buy seems to be uh, more Best Buy is morphing a little bit, uh, depending more on what they call marketplace sellers as opposed to in the store. Uh, but we've still got major players here in uh, in Vancouver, and high end photography still remains a viable market. It, it, it would seem. But you know the point and shoot section, like, are their days numbered? Yep. I mean, the the, the cameras yeah. on smartphones are amazing now. It's Cameras on smartphones are amazing for sure. Uh, the, the, in my particular survey of the 200 plus cameras, uh, 25% are the point and shoot. Now, let's say five, six years ago, they would have been 50%. So that is a rapid decline and for sure disappearing. There are still a few around. I, I mentioned the, the, the tough lineup, uh, waterproof and so forth. Olympus still makes a few. Uh, I think Panasonic might have one. Uh, but yep, it, the days of the point shooter are, are mark, markedly numbered. So you talked about uh, the mirrorless cameras. So these are kind of kind of uh, DSLR looking, but smaller because yep. they don't need to have the same size. Yep, smaller and uh, much faster. They're able to, to to crank out much higher frames per second rates. Um, yeah, uh, there's a lot less uh, vibration, so forth, from the you know the, the the mirror moving up out of place, so the light can go through the uh, through the prism and so forth. Um, yep, smaller, lighter, uh, much more of an urban street photography type of uh, unit, uh, becoming popular for say vlogging, uh, 
video logging. Uh, yep, the, the, the company's done a great job of, of marketing those. And Fuji's a big player in that space, uh, Sony in particular. Yep. If you had to pick a favorite camera on your list, what would it be? Um, well, they're all over the place. Uh, I suppose <laughs> I would pick one of the, uh, the Canons for the mirrorless. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still, uh, still a fan of the DSLRs. And, you, you know, the, 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 the price point has risen on DSLRs. You could buy usually an intro package with multiple lenses for the sort of $500 range. That's risen to the 700 to a thousand dollar range. Uh, the, the Sony, uh, mirrorless cameras have, have become very, uh, highly regarded. And I, I suppose if we had uh, money as no object, we could spring for a, a Hasselblad for a, a cool 20,000. I'll have to look for that, uh, for that money in my couch <laughs> under under the cushions <laughs> and yeah. every and every cushion in Vancouver, uh, Peter. I, I love this list you put together, uh, and obviously for you know the the camera enthusiasts out there, it it is a comprehensive, awesome list. Where can people actually check this out? Sure. So it's found at vandigicams.ca. We've been talking with Peter Vogel, uh, one of our favorite uh, tech contributors. Uh, he's a former uh, physics teacher and an overall tech nerd who we, we love to have on the program. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you very much, Mike. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're your favorite tech show, the number one tech radio show across Canada. Let's talk about your new computer you bought. I mean, we're always trying to buy the latest, fastest laptops and computers. You've bought kind of a little mini one that is kind of half laptop-ish. Yeah. It's kind of a hobby thing that you had to put together yourself. Yeah, it's an open source uh, computing platform. It's called the DevTerm, which is really short for terminal. And essentially what it is, it is a screen and keyboard all in one unit. There's no folding action and there's no lid to close or anything like that. And it is basically running off of a variation of the Raspberry Pi, and it has full Linux Ubuntu on it, and it has some really cool features that I really liked. Um, I saw this last, I think, October of 2020, and then they finally went on sale in November, and I ordered one of the first ones. And I, they were offering a couple different models. They had like a high-end one, a mid-tier, and then a lower-end one. I went for the mid-tier one, which turned out to be the last one they actually shipped. Okay. So, but it's only because of the chip shortage that that's why it took so long. Um, Cause I got it basically the first week of January. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a super fun little machine. It has a, a number of really neat features. It's really well made. Um, it's probably one of the best open source projects I've ever bought that you put together yourself from a packaging standpoint. It comes in a really nice box. Like you, better than some of the laptops we've gotten in high-end laptops and all the parts are laid out in these little tray plastic trays that are recyclable and they come with a lot of like knobs and uh standoffs and and even like plastic screws for assembling this thing all in these little plastic trays just like remember those old model car kits yeah yeah you snap you snap them out and then you but the instructions are really well laid out it's like ikea but better, I oh, it's than, actually way better than, than IKEA because yeah. it actually shows you every single step of the process. Yeah, there's no soldering or anything like that. So it's just snapping it together, literally just 
dropping it together. Yeah. Because even like the keyboard doesn't connect to anything. It has these things called pogo plugs. They're little spring-loaded pins that just touch through the case to the motherboard. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's really... So is this a great project for like a family? To Yeah. I mean, it's a 20-minute assembly. Yeah. It's not not long, but once it's assembled, I was... That's re- when the fun starts. Yeah. I was really surprised how easy it is to set up. Um, it comes with a an SD card that is fully loaded already with the operating system on it. So it boots up. You just have to go in and choose your Wi-Fi and it'll check for updates. And But it's running full desktop Linux. So for people that are familiar with using a Mac or a Windows machine, it's still like a graphical interface. It's very, very similar. It's actually very similar like to... Like 99%. Yeah, I would say visually it's probably about 80% similar to using a Mac. Yep. Um, but where it's... I guess it's a sort of intended purpose because of the type of thing that it is, is for people that want to learn programming or that have a very familiar background with the terminal and they like coding... They like doing uh, remote control systems. So say you have a computer at the office you want to remote into, you do it all via the command line. Uh, That's what this machine's really built for. The only downside to this particular device is that the keyboard that's included is a 65% keyboard. So it's smaller. It's quite small. Yeah. Uh, although it's not too bad. I mean, I was actually expecting the worst. Um, It has a number of interesting features around the keyboard though. It actually has a D-pad and game buttons because it's meant so you can install emulators on it and use it that way. Play games. Play games. So, I mean, this thing is flat. It's about the size of a large kind of um, book. Yeah. 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 Like a hardcover book. Yeah. And it actually has a built-in trackball. Like the Blackberries. Exactly. It's actually probably the same trackball. Like the Blackberry Pearl. Yeah. In the middle. And then it's got three mouse buttons. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's a very strange looking device but it's a very cool device one of my favorite features though that i wasn't sure when i ordered it if it was included but they they since had since clarified is all the models come with a printer a thermal printer so you literally just have this little uh, expansion uh piece of plastic you put a roll of thermal printer paper and this is almost looks like an adding machine paper yeah, or like the receipt that you're, um, when you're paying at the restaurant or, the, or yeah. the bar, that little portable terminal that prints out the receipt for you, it's the exact same thing. So there's no ink, it's just all heat, and um, you just plug it in, and it just, you just hit print, and it just works. So how much did you pay for all this? Well, $300. You think you got your money's worth? Oh, yeah. You're, yeah. you're a nerd, though. You love this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a super fun little device. It um, has lots of capabilities. There's a something called Pi App Store, and basically, it's just an app you install that gives you access to install games, music software. The the software that you edit this radio show with, Audacity, yep. you can do it on that. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So you can plug headphones in. and Plug headphones in. It's also got speakers. Yeah. Um, and it has a, a micro HDMI out, so you can plug it into a big screen. So the screen's not that big on this thing. It's long and thin, right? Yeah. The idea behind it was they wanted something for people that like to use the terminal, so they wanted to have a very... Uh, uh, the aspect ratio is basically like double wide yeah. of what a normal four by three aspect ratio would be. Yep. So it's actually really nice. But you can all the nice thing about it is you can actually have side by side. You can have your terminal on one side and you have your browser on the other side. Yeah. So but so it's got HDMI out. You could plug this into a monitor. Yeah. And then it would you get a full resolution out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it's got a bunch of USB ports. It charges via USB-C. Yep. You have to supply your own batteries, though. That was the only downside. Because of the, the shipping logistics of sending batteries around the world, they didn't include any batteries with so it. what kind of batteries does it take? I just got them off Amazon. They're, they're called 18650s. They're basically like giant double A's. Okay. Are they rechargeable? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. How and, much does that cost? Uh like ten dollars. Oh, okay. Like it's, it's nothing. It's not like another hundred dollars. No, no. Um, and the nice thing is, is like you can get different sizes of these batteries, so you can actually have longer battery life. The ones I got, um, basically, it gives me about ten hours of life with this device. Yeah, which is pretty cool. You're listening to Get Connected with uh, Mike Agarbo and John Beeler. We're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Apple. They've hit a three trillion dollar market cap. It's incredible. Well, where are they going to go next? They've uh, made their fortune on their services and their phones and, and laptops and computers. What's next? Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Apple, one of the most valuable companies in the world, hit a market cap of $3 trillion. It was just a couple of years ago they hit a trillion dollars, which I thought was like amazing. I can't believe they've tripled that again within the space of a few years. Is that the most of any company? Yeah. Like ever? Yeah. Wow. It's it's incredible. They have had an amazing success story built on great products. Uh, obviously their iPhones, uh, iMacs and, and laptops. But John, it, it really is around the software and the ecosystem, isn't it? That tied all of this together to make it kind of user friendly. I mean, they've got the app store. Um, and even though Google Android phones far outnumber iPhones in the world, the App Store still generates more revenue than the Google Play Store. Yeah. I mean, you know why, though? Because <laughs> the apps work? <laughs> well, no, because a lot of people on the, people are more inclined to pay for Apple apps yeah. than they are on Android. What do you think? Well, the reason why Android is so popular is because it's generally the less expensive phone. So it's cheap. Yeah, or it's free with your service. Yeah. Right? So uh, no judgment there at all. I mean, Android's a fantastic platform, uh, but the reality is is that Apple costs more generally, Yeah, and people that have those platforms tend to spend more on apps. It's interesting too. Like I, I look at Apple, and there's kind of a prestige, I think, in, in a lot of cases of having an iPhone, for example, especially even when it comes down to things like iMessage, you know, their messaging platform. Mm-hmm. Do you remember BlackBerry with... BlackBerry messaging service, BBM. Yep. And that was the thing. Like everyone wanted wanted that because all their friends or work coworkers had it. And now Apple has recreated that with iMessage. Well, and yeah. And so if you have a friend that's in your circle that isn't on an iPhone, yeah. they you have to use WhatsApp or something else to interact or with. Or text. Them. Yeah. Or, you know, something that everybody can all see the message at the same time, right? Because basic texting is pretty limited as far as functionality Well, it's interesting because Google's upset with Apple that they won't go to the new rich text messaging standard. There's like a standard out there and Apple basically won't do it. Because they have their own. They have their own. And that's kind of a a unique selling proposition for them as well. So they make a lot of money on apps. They make a lot of money on the other service. They've got Apple News, Apple Arcade. They've got Apple Fitness Plus now as well. Apple iCloud. All the subscriptions. Yes. Like I'm paying 30 bucks a month. For a family plan. I pay it too. And oh, I Apple have, TV. I forgot about Apple TV Plus. Well, yeah, and Apple TV Plus is probably one of the more interesting, new, re, more recent additions to that whole spectrum because they're so paying... So they're, they're making billions off all those services. Yeah. 
Well, I'm paying for the, I'm paying for the same family plan you are. Yeah. Because you get more. It's a better value. Yeah. And there's only two of us using it. Yeah. You can have up to six people on the family plan. Yeah. Oh, I forgot Apple Music as well. Yeah. I mean, it's great value when you think about it. Yeah. Well, I got rid of all my other services that Apple encompasses just to make it much more value proposition to spend 30 bucks a month instead yeah. of 10 for that, 10 for that, 10 for that, you know? So, you know, the big question, John, they, I mean, some people are saying they're an iterative company now. They're just coming out with these small iterations on their products. Like there, there has been no big new idea like the iPad, for example. Yeah. Or I, a new iPhone that's, well, a lot of this valuation is probably based on th- a lot of rumors that we've heard. They've been talking about an Apple car. Yes. They've been talking about Apple glasses, like smart augmented reality glasses. They've been talking about all kinds of different things that Apple has never even said a peep about. <laughs> I know. Like the Apple car rumor will not go away. But I, I just question it, John. Like to come out with a new car, it's hard. Look at Tesla and the road they've traveled but if we learn anything from what Apple does is they look at the competition and they find a, a way of doing it better. They, they're not always it, the first to market. I know, but it's not easy to make cars, John. No. Like there has been no real successful automaker since Tesla in as long as I can remember. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and Tesla's not perfect either. No. But, you know, we've seen Dyson, remember? He yep. wanted to make a, a car. That died. Sony, when we were down the Consumer Electronics Show, they're showing off a car prototype again, an SUV. But will that ever get made? Probably not. No. So where is the future? So the car is one thing, John. I mean, God, if they could get into that, they'd be a $10 trillion company if they could get their act together with that. Uh, but obviously huge challenges there. But the AR, you know, is there some sort of plan they have for augmented reality? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think the car is more interesting in the aspect that Apple wants to get the operating system. You know, Apple CarPlay is what most people have in their cars nowadays, yeah. or at least access to it if they have an Apple device. But having it natively installed in the car instead of having a car manufacturer's operating system, a lot of car manufacturers don't want to reinvent that wheel. But that's also, that's been an issue. Like I look at the past year, a lot of the car manufacturers' sales are down. And a big reason, John, chip shortage. Yeah. But Tesla, they're they're up. They've sold, I think, over a million cars. And it's because they control the software. Right. And so when they run out of a certain chip, because they've got an entire army of software engineers, they can just rewrite the code for the new chip right. to make it work. Whereas Ford and GM and Toyota, that's, that's not a luxury they have because they outsource that to other suppliers. Well, and arguably they're also more nimble, so they can actually probably, they probably don't need the same volume that a GM or a Ford does as well. No, it's true. Um, And they probably understand this space much better than the Fords and GMs of the world. So, you know, if you had to bet between Apple and Sony making a new car, (sighs) I would have to to say... Can I pick none? Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't think we're going to see either anytime soon. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, are they going to, will Apple come out with a car or is it just some sort of software play? I think it's a software and, or maybe even a subscription play. Yeah. Right. What, I mean, what other kind of features and and services could Apple offer a native operating system in your new car that you can't do with your phone now? Well, I'm sure it comes around to autonomous vehicles as well. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll have to see. But for me, 
for Apple to hit the, you know, the $10 trillion mark, if that's even possible anytime soon. <laughs> You're already complaining. <laughs> <laughs> like they owe me something, right? Uh, I think they have to come out with something new. I want to see something new. Well, I mean, one of the things that we've talked about quite a lot, probably more so on the app show, is the folding phone space. Yeah. And there's been lots of rumors about Apple having something in that space as well. Again, if they can figure out the technology differently than the competitors. Yeah. So. We'll have to uh, wait and see. You are tuned in to Get Connected, Canada's number one tech radio show. I'm Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show. It is on every Sunday across Canada, Saturday nights in Toronto, where we talk about the world of apps for phones, TVs, cars, and mobile technology as well. It's a really fun, cool show. And you can also check it out on our website. Uh, We've got podcast versions of that and this program at getconnectedmedia.com. When we come back from the break, a little more tech to talk and uh, Sony running out of chips and making older game consoles to make up the difference. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Uh, Sony running out of chips as well. There have been huge challenges for them. Even Microsoft with their Xbox, uh, the video game consoles can't get enough chips. Uh, now I'm reading that they can't get enough, I guess, components for the PlayStation 5, which is their latest. They're punching out some more PlayStation 4s. Yeah, they're keeping the production line, which they had hoped to wind down with the release of the PlayStation 5, because obviously, why would you choose a 4 over a 5? Um, but they're continuing to go at least until the end of this year, thanks to the chip shortage. That chip shortage, uh, major issue for a lot of manufacturers, is going to go well into this year as well. Uh, could even affect the following year, 2023. Uh, but yeah, video games is huge market, multi-billion dollars. It's a huge hit for Sony, even Microsoft with their Xbox not being able to make enough of them. Well, in this, uh, the Stream Deck, sorry, the Steam Deck, yep. this was a handheld console that was supposed to be sort of basically a handheld PC. Yeah, That was supposed to launch end of last year it's been delayed probably at least three to six more months because of the chip shortage if not longer do you think it'll die now hard to say yeah i mean they took pre-orders everyone had put five bucks down for a pre-order for this steam deck how much five bucks (laughs) why five dollars well it just reserves your place in line yeah and so people will pull out and then you move up the line got it so it's actually kind of a clever way are you getting one i i've pre-ordered one oh you did we'll see okay yeah see if I get it like this year or like my dev term it's going to take another year I gotta check your garage out no you don't no. <laughs> you get so much of this stuff like I don't know how you have time to use it all or are you just like having it well both yeah but you're a collector of I, tech I'm a bit of a collector but I also do love playing with this stuff yeah. just like you do I know I you're know. just I, as bad as me I know I've seen your garage yes you're right Well, I think that's all the time we have left uh, this week, John. Uh, Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got some uh, great blogs and videos up there. We just did a review of the Infinity Gaming Table as well, that little coffee table that's got like Monopoly and Scrabble built into it. So you'll want to check that out. We should also have a video up from Global that we did. I did the dev term this week. Oh, yeah. So if you're interested in in a dev term, just Google dev term or go to clockworkpi.com. Or hit our website and check out uh, John's uh, Global News segment. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together, including John and Christina, Stephen and Robin. We'll see you again next time.